If you want to know how to suck the best bits out of a story, you're not really sure how to do it, and you want to do it for, say, like a client or for a customer, and you want to know, like, how do you actually, how do you actually get, get the really good parts of the story out? Today's podcast, I'm going to show you how to do exactly that. Have you ever heard a story that just made you feel, wow, I'm ready, I'm fired up? A story that captures everyone's attention and gets you to spread it to all your friends? Or how about a story that creates real impact and connection with the audience? Why do stories do this? And how can we create stories like this in business? I've been obsessed with figuring these questions out. I've been starting and failing multiple online businesses now for two years, struggling to find an audience I truly wanted to serve. It wasn't until I discovered my dream customers were struggling with these exact questions, except I didn't know where to find these people. I hopped on a plane to the US to attend a marketing conference that I met my dream customers, and I saw firsthand how powerful stories really are. After that, I went all in on my hunch. If you're looking for the real secrets behind how stories can get your audience fired up to take action and to change their lives through your words, this podcast is for you. My name is Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. All right, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. Hey, I'm here for, I'm, I'm rebooting I'm re, uh, a bit of an old segment that I used to have called uh, the Story Interview Framework that I've got. And um, it, it's, if, if someone's got like, a, especially if a client, they've got like a long-ish story, um, and you want to sort of condense it down into sort of like the best bits because, you know, I've said this before, if you give someone a questionnaire or, or you ask them uh, like a bunch of questions to tell their story and get them to write it, chances are they're probably not going to articulate as well as they could if you did, say, an interview. And that's why I love interviews. So that's why I brought on Donna Ferguson from Unique Vibrations. And she is the CEO and the founder and the coach. And uh, she's basically an NLP practitioner, a hypnotherapist, a coach. Um, so her and I, uh, we met virtually on LinkedIn. I invited her onto the podcast uh, because I, know, I knew she had a really good story to share. When I say really good though, I mean like there's a lot to unpack. Um, and it can be difficult when you're not necessarily working with a rich rags to riches story because they're all the fun ones to do. But what about the other ones that like, there's like a lot of emotional baggage you have to unpack? They're a bit more challenging. You got to really empathize with the person you're talking to because if the barriers are up, if there's no trust involved, they won't tell you everything. So, so on today's one, you just just pay attention. Like the whole time throughout the podcast, I'm intentively listening. Like. She's got my full attention. I'm writing down notes. Um, I, I'm conversing with her, to like bring her along, just so I can get that trust, and, and that's really important. So, a little bit my, about my guest though. So Donna, like I said, she's NLP practitioner, hypnotherapist, coach uh, for her company Unique Vibrations, and I'll link her website below at uniquevibrations.com. But anyway, her speciality is in helping other people create a life they've always dreamed of by assisting them in overcoming limiting beliefs that trap people in negative self-worth, broken values, and confidence. And we're going to be talking about her sort of origin story, how she went from not really rags to riches, but like from where she went from a state of pain to where she's able to now help people transition from being stuck in that mental trauma, that that bad space. So without further ado, 
Um, like I said, pay attention to how I try and build rapport throughout this, how I try and pull the story out of her. I'm always asking why I'm following up with emotions. You know, why did they? Why did you feel that way? These are really good cues that you should uh, you should be using inside when you say doing this with a customer. But yeah, let's get straight into it today with my conversation with Donna Ferguson. I know you really told me like most of the goods, your backstory, but I'm, I'm hoping we can just, so the, the way this is going to work is that I'm going to pull you, I'm going to guide you through the story. Um, I'm going to interrupt rudely when I need to follow up with say like why you were feeling that emotion. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then if, if you've just gone ahead a little bit back, I'll be like, okay, can we just go back a little bit here? So yeah. I know you've just, I know you told me you, you, you like the painful sort of, the, the ah, that's violence, not that that, that's nothing that that pa- that's just a sketch of the outline of uh, my story that i talk about all the time okay all right so i wanted to, i want you to take me back to that point of high drama maybe not drama that that painful period where you know in your life where things just wasn't good mm-hmm. can you take me there please sure so is this part of the recording sorry yeah yeah it's all good <laughs> <laughs> i just said it that about it's okay. That's the beauty of the podcast. I can edit. So, <laughs> yeah, it's the beauty, isn't? It? So, going back to that point in my life where I had been such a strong person that I really wanted to. Um, I had my own direction. I had my own what I wanted to do. I was very stubborn. And, you know, we all cross roads where we might be a little bit off the rails. You know, we start hanging around with a bad crowd, whatever that might be. But during that time, I actually met somebody that I fell in love with and got married. And we all have this fairy tale story that, you know, our our life and our wedding, you know, you're going to have the husband, the kids, the white picket fence. You know, it's just gorgeous. But what happens with me was I had the wedding and it was 23 days later, 28 days later, that I woke up in the middle of the night and I wondered what the hell was going on. And you know when you wake up startled and, and you and you kind of, what's happening, what just happened? I, I knew something happened, I didn't know what it was. Mm. I laid back down and and then I thought, what was that? And I sat up again and I looked over and my husband was laying there and, you know, he was just, he had this cold, steely, grey eyes and looked at me and I, I said, what is going on? And as I went to lay back down again, the fist hit me in the side of the face. So that was my one month pretty much wedding anniversary which really is not what that fairy tale vision of a princess and a queen and a king you know sort of version that we all have when we're tiny kids so this went on pretty much all night i was in and out of consciousness i didn't you know i didn't know basically what had been going on for part of it, I just knew that I was really sore. I was really hurt, and both physically and emotionally. Yeah. Um, there were some cigarette burns on me. There was, you know, like it was. I actually thought I was taking my last breath. 
But when it came to around about 7 a.m. in the morning, I just, I, I can't even remember. It's obviously something I have blocked out, which is fine. I don't know where he was or what he was doing, whether he was sitting there watching me or whether he was in bed asleep. But I got up and went to the bathroom. When I got up and went to the bathroom, I looked in the mirror and I could hardly walk. Like I was literally battered from top to bottom. You know, you hear these battered wives tales and you just think, how is that even possible? Well, you know, it comes out of nowhere sometimes. And so I looked in the mirror and I actually didn't know who that person was looking back at me. I was black and blue in my face it was swollen out here I had a broken eardrum I my head was so sore from just having the hair pulled and dragged around at the same time so you know I thought what am I gonna do and it was two days before Christmas couldn't go home you know don't go and spoil everyone else's Christmas so what I did was I had a shower, I jumped in the car, and I grew up in Canberra, so this was in Canberra. Yep. And in Canberra, out just out, most people will probably have heard of Tidbin Billa uh, Tracking Reserve because it's connected to um, NASA for the uh, space programs. But not long before that, there's a place called the Cotter Dam, and that's the water reserve for Canberra Water. And it's a little bit isolated in areas, so I just drove out there. And I parked near the public toilets, uh, and I thought, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then people started to up, and I thought, I don't want them to see me, so I went and sort of hid a little bit. You can sort of hide a little bit out yep. there. So I drove the car parked where nobody very much was and I sat there and at night I would go and sit near the toilets because that was like a safer space I suppose. I mean this is like 40 years ago so <clears throat> you really don't didn't have those things going on like we do these days so mm -hmm. I felt safe-ish in the car but I wanted to be there because there was a light and I sat there for two days and two nights and I thought I can't sit here any longer. I had you know that taste of blood in my mouth I had that feeling that I just you know I didn't know what I wanted to do I knew I wanted to go and have a shower that was my biggest thing yeah. and wash my mouth out and so I went back home and I, I you know domestic violence is a horrible thing they go through a cycle so you know I'm so sorry I love you It'll never happen again I can't believe what I've done to you uh, you know, all of these things went on and I just went, okay, it's not going to happen again. And that's, that's, that's what happened. You came home and he said that to you. He apologized. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, when he said that to you on his face, did it look like it was genuine? Well, I guess regardless of whether it really looks genuine, I mean, it probably did for him. Uh, look genuine yeah we want to believe it you know one month into a marriage you don't want to go home and say look what's happened to me a month yeah. after i got married That's horrendous like you want to say face a little bit you feel the shame the guilt 
you, you know, there's so, and 40 years ago, it wasn't like it is today. It wasn't really spoken about very much. There were like, it, it was really lonely. Mm. So you felt like you couldn't talk to anyone. You, um, even confronting your husband, you felt like you, you couldn't feel like the victim because it just, it wasn't a thing to feel sorry for yourself. Um, yeah. so, so the, what happened when you came back day to day? Um, look, you know, things were okay for a little while and then there were moments, there was moments where it continued and uh, then I fell pregnant with my daughter and so everything was kind of fine there and during the pregnancy there wasn't much going with the violent side of things. So, you know, I kind of felt like I mean, every day was fearful, don't get me wrong, that fear, you know, when you, when you have that sick feeling in your stomach where, you, you know, something might be said and you think, you know, you're cowering yeah. sort of within yourself, you couldn't show that physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've ever felt depth of fear then you you know just imagine that because that's what it was like constantly on alert all the time always you know sleeping with one eye because it happened in the middle of the night it was like one o'clock in the morning when it first started um and so you know you'd go to bed and you'd sleep and you'd just have this like (laughs) look on your face all night Mm. (laughs) um which is not a laughing matter. And for anybody who's in that situation, for goodness sake, these days there's so much support out there. For goodness sakes, reach out. Um, so, yeah, so, um, you know, the pregnancy was, everything was, was okay, went through that. Um, there wasn't too many problems during that. And I, I went into the hospital and I had my daughter and the day I'm home, I dragged that out as long as I could to say because I didn't want to go home. I knew I was safe in the hospital. I knew that, you know, um, I'd be looked after there. So seven days later, I mean, today they're lucky to do 24 hours. Um, But the average back then was four or five days. So I dragged it out to seven. And um, he came and picked me up, but I just had this, intuitive feeling that something wasn't right and I didn't really have a choice so I got home the house was disgusting you know there was food left on plates that had probably been there all week there was, like it was gross there was washing piled up dishes piled up um, you know nothing was done it was just it was just I knew I had to clean up um but so I that, that, that added to the dread on top of it so mm. being fearful and you're like far out i'm stuck in this environment as well and how do i get out mm, did you, so, sorry to interrupt there, that did you have any glimmer of hope in that situation or was it or did you were you trying to were you envisioning some sort of escape or what was going through your head when you walked back in at that point i was because i just had a child I'm overwhelmed with a brand new baby. I am, 
you know, my hormones are all over the place trying to sort of work their way, you know, work their magic back to I want to get back to who I was, but that wasn't going to happen in a hurry, as we all know with, with um, having, a, having a child. And um, to walk into that, it was just like, oh, you know, I need to clean up. I need to do what I have to do. There was no thoughts around anything else it yeah. was just i need to get i need to get in a situation as i move through the process of doing what i was doing to uh, it, it's really hard to explain i suppose but just to get through the day get through the day almost like a distraction yeah probably a bit of a distraction i knew there were things i had to do and you know, but um, you know, it didn't stop. There. He he became violent that day, as well, um, and violent sexually, which was horrific for me. So it was, and then it was, you know, it was just like finish doing what you're doing. I'm like, you know, how do you, how do you even how do you even process that? Mm. You know that 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 was a pretty pretty defining moment, I, I suppose, as well, where I knew, and he didn't work, so he thought that you know he didn't need to go to work. I had been working for the government, so um, you know I was still getting some income on maternity leave, but he'd never really worked because, like, he just didn't feel he had to. You know, he was. Um, a bludger, I suppose. Mm. And so, you know, he he wanted to live off the government. He wanted to live off me. He wanted to rule the roost. He didn't want to leave me um, at any point when we were anywhere other than home because he felt like, you know, I was betraying him in some way, having an affair or whatever it might be. And it, it, so, yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard to um, escape him because he was always there there were there were actually occasions when when he had gone and got a job and sort of worked one day and then came home halfway through the next day and said i quit it's not for me i'm not doing that that's a dirty job like that you know all those things so yep. so you know there was one time when when he was chasing me around the house and you know he was he was really angry and i thought and this is the only time I can actually think of now if I can do this then everything will be fine all I could think was if I can get the kitchen drawer and grab that knife then I'm probably going to be a lot better chance of surviving this and so I did I managed to run through the kitchen and back out to the lounge room and you know he was chasing me and he stopped and went the other way, thought he'd come back. And I I just hightailed that knife. I don't know how I did it. I, I must have missed him by this much. You know, he was standing against, he was standing against the wall. So the knife actually went into the wall. Mm. Um, so when these women go through this stage of they don't know any other way out, but to take the life of the person that's, a, you know, abusing them i 
understand that. I get that. I really get that. But my intention wasn't to kill him. It was mm. to slow him down. Just, just, just to stop whatever was going on at the moment. It was a completely reactive sort of thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is that a feeling? Because um, I, I just wanted to ask, so as someone, a victim as yourself, is that something that happens often or, to, or would victims mainly just sort of shut down and just they'll just receive whatever happens and they're just, you know, they're a bit numb to what's going on. Um, yeah, that's a really great question. And I think every situation is different. Um, I think also that it's really important to understand that we don't have a lot of foresight in this situation because every day is literally about surviving the day without having something go yeah. on. There's no, sorry, Rob, there's no, there's no dreams, there's no hopes. It's just purely how do I survive and stay alive? For me, that was, that was just getting through the day. Yeah. It was mm. all about survival. Um, I have heard of people more recently too, where they distract themselves with those thoughts and, and often, you know, the partner is working. So they're not necessarily 24 seven together, although with COVID, um, you know, that, that surely has changed things. Um, but, but I know that there was a, a story I heard recently where a woman had just, you know, the abuse was going on and she just sat herself in this bubble that she put around herself, which is a really great idea. And she just, all she could think was, all of her dreams, her desires, you know, she was visualizing things that yep. she wanted and that just got her out of that situation right then and there. Mm -hmm. So I do know that, that there's different women use different things to distract or to encourage them to just work something else out. Um, but I'm pretty sure when it is violent and violent, looking at survival okay so, and then after that sort of incident where you swung the knife at him um how did it what was the next stage and how did you eventually leave or escape yeah sure um so that was kind of i think he, there was a big realization for him there in that moment um and and that day kind of subsided into you know a normal day uh, whatever that was back then but you know months sort of went on and you know it the fear was constantly there but then when my daughter was three months old so this is this is about 18 months into the marriage what I did I I applied for jobs because I you know I was the one that had to go to work and so I'd applied for this job and it was one of my dream jobs. Like I'd always wanted to work in real estate. I have to say I've been working 25 years in real estate mm -hmm. since. It's not, a, it's not my dream job, yeah. <laughs> not in property management anyway. So I'd applied for this job and I got the interview. And so we'd gone, gone down to this uh, interview and the whole time we were driving to the interview, there were the signs and there was, you know, the fear was rising and 
I started to feel ill and I started thinking, what am I going to do? You know, like once I got out of the car and started walking into the interview, I just started going, oh my God, if I go home, I'm not going to see my daughter ever again. Like this is the day. That fear was so powerful that I just knew you know, you just, you, you really do connect to another side when you're going through this. Your intuition starts telling you things. But I just knew the way the conversation was going on the way, the way that he was getting abusive on the way, I knew that day that if I went home in that car, that I would not live another moment once I got home. It would be all over. And that was kind of the, the depth of the fear that I felt. So what happened was I did the interview. I was in there probably about 45 minutes and I came down the stairs and for some reason, I, don't, I didn't make a decision. I wasn't consciously aware mm -hmm. of what, you know, what I was doing. It was almost like a guardian angel had picked me up and taken me out to the right hand side and dropped me at the taxi rank where I jumped in a taxi and went to my mum's work. I didn't even have a dollar in my purse to pay yeah. for the taxi fee. So, you know, I had to run into her and go, I need a dollar to pay the taxi, you know. But, at the, you know, people talk about a crossroads in their life and decisions that they either make consciously or not. And there was never ever i was never going to go off to the left it just but it wasn't a thought it when you're spiritually connected to something else then you just allow the process to take effect i suppose and trust that everything is going to be fine and that's what happened on that day and that's what happened on that day so I have no idea, I still like, and I don't try and define or pull it apart or yep. you know, work out what happened. I just trust that was the right thing for me to do on that day. And has that experience, is that shared through other people who've quite, or maybe not escaped, but had that crossroads intuition feeling where it's either or back to my old ways, mm. or I go this way. Uh, look, maybe not necessarily with domestic violence, but just generally in life. Mm. It's, you know, I strongly connected with a spiritual side of myself probably about 15 years ago. And, you know, I very, I'm very trusting in the messages that I receive, whatever they are. Because if you don't listen to the messages that the universe is giving you, it will dump it on you so damn hard that you're like, where did that even come from? So you really have to, you know, when you open, when you're open to what's going on and you connect with your higher self, then you have this ability to just know whatever, you know, some people might call it a gut feeling. Yeah. You just know that when that happens, you don't ask questions, you don't question it, you don't try and define it. You just go, that's my decision. And when you can make decisions like that, you save time, money, energy, and, and so much more. And 
basically I saved my life that day. And, and that sort of realization and tapping into that intuition, that's what you help with your clients today. Is that right? Absolutely. So coaching them through all their challenges, changing their life every day, you know, it's really, I I guide them through a way to open up to their higher self Mm -hmm. and connect with that inner, you know, intuition, spirit, God, whatever you want to call it. So, okay. And I just want to backtrack a bit. So when you went to your mum's there, um, how long was it? Maybe we can skip forward a few years, but how long long was it before you realized um, I want to use this experience to help other people? That was probably a very long time um, because I'd never really thought about sharing my story until uh, probably even 10 years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, about seven years ago, I think. But what I did do was I knew I wanted to help other people work through whatever it is they were going through. And I knew that I had that. I knew that I was able to visualize. I knew that I was able to um, manifest what I wanted. I knew that I was able to tap into something other than my physical being to be able to uh, create more in my life. And what I didn't realize, which is, really really important is that until you do that inner healing and release all of that you know that was only 18 months of my life but that took years to unfold on your own to do that on my own until I found the right coaches to work with that could help with the opening up of all of that that had happened okay when i started to share my story that Mm -hmm. was that was quite powerful uh empowering for me it i found a way to release that but then i learned how to not be in the story while i was telling it so you're detaching yourself okay and so I want to sort of like contrast it. So what was the struggle like you trying to unpack the situation on your own versus when you went and sought help? Like what was, what, what, what made that different? What made that different, I suppose, is that you don't know how when you're in it, you don't know how to unpack it. You know, often we need the guidance or somebody to facilitate it. And, you know, um, I guess, the fear was still there Mm -hmm. and just to go back a little bit um back in the days when i left my marriage for domestic violence it was compulsory to go to counseling so we had this counselor who we had to turn up to and on the second visit we were sitting there and this woman was saying that you know we needed to try and work our marriage out which I think is a little ironic, really. And I looked at her and I said to her, and I was fearful every time I had to go to one of these counselling sessions because I knew he was going to be there. And I said to her, have you ever been married? And she said, no. And I said, and you think that me 
being beaten so badly is something that I need to try and reconcile. I said, I don't really think you know what you're talking about. And I got up and I walked out. And that day, that was when I left the fear behind. That was such an empowering day for me because what happened was I actually realized the fear wasn't mine to own, it was his. He'd lost the power. His fear was losing the power over me. Yeah. And that's what I did that day. So um, now I've forgotten what the actual... Well, that's okay. Because I just asked, like, how did you really unpack it by yourself mm -hmm. versus with someone else? But it, it oh, sounded yeah. like... Um, like the real trauma you're carrying was the thought of whatever the consequence was. And, and that, that was a real pain you're carrying with even still after, like you said, but yep. just so just so I'm caught up to speed, you still had to go to a counseling session even after you left him. Yes. And he was there in the same room. Yes. And, and okay. And then when you left that room, that made full circle. I'm guessing you walked out at a very quick pace to outpace, to oh. outrun him. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, it kind of like it all that, I don't know what kind of moment you want to call that, but kind of like almost like that crossroad moment you had. Mm -hmm. It was very light and freeing walking out of there. Oh, that was, yeah, it certainly was. And, you know, it, it's, it's so funny because, you know, you say, what was it like to unpack that? Well, every time I thought I'd unpacked more, um, and, you know, we're taught to talk about things and get it out and get it out and get it out and go over it and over it and over it. But the more that you go over it, the more it stays with you, unless you know how to tell the story without being in it. And mm. so uh, this is why I don't very often have a real emotional uh, moment during it because I've learnt to uh, control where I sit in that story. Yeah, totally. And, but what I did find was, of course, I kept attracting, attracting a little bit more of the same in those relationships, in the relationships that I had. And that was more because I hadn't dealt with that side of it, what my energy was, what I was, you know, what part of, um, you know, my mindset and my emotional being and having a voice and my confidence was opening up to attract what I wanted in life. And so every time I attracted something that I thought was the right thing for me, um, in one incident, you know, I was showered with gifts, I was, you know, taken out for dinner, you know, all the things that you dream of. That you think will be safe. Yeah, but then he had an affair. And so what happened then was he actually held a gun to that partner's head. I'm like, thank you, universe, for giving him that, you know, situation where he had an affair. Yes, I was heartbroken at the time. However, that could have been me. So I was all good in the end. Um, but then, you know, the next relationship I had, which was quite a long relationship, it was 15 years. And um, that was a relationship that, you know, I thought that was everything that I wanted in a, in, in a man. And again, that it wasn't abusive, um, but it was very controlling. 
So and you lose that power, that, like you told me, you lost that that power to, um, like you were telling me before, like you you were afraid of. He had the power, therefore you were fearful. But mm. in this situation, he had the power, maybe not in the same sort of violent way. Yeah, definitely but, in a different situation, and it was probably a little bit more financial than anything else. And so, um, you know, it's funny when you're telling stories how things just drop into your where you currently are in life, the messages that come in. Sorry, I must remember that afterwards. Got a pen and paper? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's, it was probably more financial. I was very independent. I was allowed to do what I wanted to do. You know, I had my own car, I was working, so, you know, there was a lot going on. But I did feel that I had to be independently financial for myself and my daughter because, um, you know, that was just how I felt when I, me having to ask, can I have money for something, was not part of who I was. Mind you now, I don't have an issue with that. But, see, there were money issues back then, money blocks. Yeah. So it's yep. funny how things come up. And that didn't come from that relationship. It didn't come from my marriage. It came from my programming of growing up where yep. money was tight. Yep. So it's funny how things come out and you still attract those things. So unpacking is really important to get to the root cause of everything. Okay. So these are really interesting. I've heard about subconscious identities quite a lot and whatever it is like abusive people being abusive relationships attract more abusive relationships people who are poor in their mind when they're younger stay poor in their mind and i had a really good example of how mike tyson made a lot of money lost a lot of money made a lot of money then lost. Yeah. yeah um so it's really really interesting um and then so what was the change like because you said there was multiple different um, blocks and stuff you had money blocks um yeah. that independence block maybe when you started unpacking it with those coaches and for yourself um how long did that take and then what did that feel like afterwards well i still work on that today so it still happens today you know mm. two weeks ago i attended an event with uh, one of my one of my coaches and uh huge huge release you know so it never stops there's always there's always more. If you want to break through and you want to go from here to here, because most people think that what they do is they go step by step up, you know, in, in their journey of success and wealth and business and what it, and life. But what they don't realize is that takes more than a lifetime to do to get to where they want to be. So we unpack daily like I work on myself every single day morning routine and ritual is not negotiable it doesn't matter where I am and that helps me to my day it's writing my gratitudes it's my affirmations it's connecting with those on an emotional level though not just ticking the box off it's setting c type goals not setting a and b type goals which we already know how to do what do you mean by that so, sorry sorry to interrupt what is a c and a type Goal. okay so an a type goal is something that you've already done before so it might be buying a new car you might buy you know whatever it is that you've bought and 
um, you want to buy another brand new same car. Well, you've already done that. You so already it's like an upgrade. Yeah, so that's not even a goal, but people set that as a goal because they don't realize. And then there's the B-type goals where you know you've got a plan and maybe save some money or put money away every week um, to get a goal, might be an annual holiday. But that kind of is something we already know how to do as well. But a C-type goal scares the living daylights out of you, but at the same time, it gives you an excitement and a motivation and inspiration to work towards. And that takes you in that quantum leap. So that goes from being here to being here in that period of time, whatever you've set for that goal to be achieved. Yeah. And that's the journey that I want to take my clients on all the time. And that's why I say I want to create 100 million years. And and that's were you introduced to this sort of goal setting hierarchy um, when you first came to unpack them, and then they showed you this? No, what was the journey then like? Uh, that journey, you know, people talk about goals all the time. You hear people doing, let's do a goal setting, uh, let's do a goal setting course, or let's do a workshop on goal setting. Mm-hmm. Those goals are, and no disrespect to those people, they just don't know how to do it better. You know, and same with law of attraction. When you don't know how to teach competently on how to connect so that you can manifest anything that you want, because you are powerful to do that, it's already with you. Um, And you open up because nothing in life is hard. Everything is, you know, as Bob Proctor says, everything is with ease and flow. The only reason it's hard is because you gave it that meaning. Mm. So yep. That's powerful. Yeah. And it's okay. I just want to circle back. We're almost <laughs> there at the end of the story because it sounds, because you're, you sound like you're out of the woods, right? So you've been through this abusive relationship. You're just trying to unpack it yourself. Um, you know, it was a bit up and down trying to figure out like what, what this sort of is. You came back into a similar relationship, not abusively mm. violently, but with control over money. Um, and then what was the result like after you sort of, I know you said you haven't fully gotten everything. It's a life journey to, to unblock and take it to the next level. But after you got that initial sort of relief from those coaches, um, what was that like and what did that feel like for you? And then what, what were the results in your life? Yeah, look, that's absolutely, um, it, it's such an amazing feeling and I still work with those coaches today. So I, you know, a good coach has a coach. Um, but I still work with them, you know, today, every week, because for me, it's really important to unpack the layers consistently, because there's always going to be something else that comes up. It could even be pre, um, pre-life, pre-this-life stuff that we bring in with us that you don't even know is there. You know, how often do you do something and you go... Hmm, why did I do that? I've been doing that my whole life. I don't even know what that is or where it came from. That could be a generational lineage that you've brought into this life with you from your ancestors anywhere up to seven generations ago. So whatever that is, you don't even need to know why it's there, but unpacking that, 
often takes somebody else because that's pretty deep rooted, right? Mm. When you're going back that far. So you need people to be able to facilitate that for you. Um, one of my coaches is very systems and processes, um, you know, focused and is also a hypnotherapist and she does a lot of what she does connect to the spiritual side but she's very much you know this is how we do things and a very high profile um business coach mm -hmm. or coach and the other one is an energetic vibrational energy coach um and so she's very good at seeing more than you know, when you're talking about or having a conversation with her about something, she will say something like, but I still feel there's some resistance there. What is that about? Yeah. Yes. So, you know, and then you'll go, well, I don't really know. And then we'll start talking further and it'll be something that happened, you know, when I was five years old, I'm like, I thought I already dealt with that like a million times. But because when you have that emotional impact at an age and every time you feel that same emotion, it builds. So it's building, so it's come from here and it's building all the way up. You gotta knock every one of those out of the road so they're like dominoes and just go flying and falling over. Because until you get every one of them out of the way, you are not clear. And there'll be something that comes up around that block. Yeah, so, and it, oh, sorry, Rob. And that's and and everyone's got one of those blocks in their life that's stopping them from achieving that. And so what, and then what I'm saying. So what I'm trying to get to is that um, what you're able to help with now that you've sort of been through this, that you've been through the journey yourself, you know what the process is like, um, and that way, when someone comes to you, you know exactly like. All right, these are the steps we need to take in order for you to get from here to here. Yeah, so um, I do do that very much so. And, you know, I use my hypnotherapy to mm -hmm. be able to facilitate some processes with them. What I do, though, nothing happens overnight. You know, if people want to come and have a one-off session, it's not going to fix the problem. This takes time. Because if you're 40 years old, if you're 20 years old, you got 20 years of stuff, right? It's not going to be fixed in two sessions. Yep. So what we have is we've set up programs for six or 12 months where we take them on a journey so that all of these issues are unpacked along the way. Nice. Makes a lot of sense why I want to do that instead of just like a band-aid fix. Because I want them to walk away after 12 months and go, Donna, I don't need you anymore, but mm. hey, here's 10 people I know can use this. Yeah, and I've got the toolkit now. To, if, if something comes up, I can fix yeah, it like you told me to start. After, you know, call me. We can look at what that is and work on that um rather than going through the program again or you can redo the program it's up to you it's entirely up to you so just to wrap this up in the story i want you to sort of describe how would you just i know fearful is definitely one of the words so how would you describe and say three words when you were in that state of surviving day to day ah uh, wow that's a really good question mm. so 
obviously fear, mm-hmm. survival, yeah, and escape. I suppose. Yeah. Because subconsciously you're always thinking of a way that you can get out. Yeah. Even if it's not right in front of you. And then once you went through your coaching, you sort of you healed a lot of what was going on and got rid of those dominoes like you mentioned. Could you <laughs> describe three words to describe your state or how it is now? Yeah. Um Wow. Um, Extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Um, Mindfulness. And repetitive learning. Which is two words, but we'll stick them together. (laughs) Because the more that you keep, you know, how often are you given some information and you go wow i've heard that a million times before but i never got it till now yep happens to me all the time (laughs) welcome to the world of the living (laughs) (laughs) so that's what we do yeah that that's what i would say repetitive learning is so important yeah donna we could go talking about a lot more into those (laughs) subconscious identities and, and how to break them um this podcast was mainly focused on your story we got through quite a lot. It was a very intense story. Um, thanks a lot for sharing it. If there's any way I like you, you could go ahead and sort of, you know, tell us about how people can find you more or, or anything like that. More, more law computer. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm on all the socials. You can find unique vibrations on my uh, Facebook page is where I utilize a lot of it. Um, I do have a website, uniquevibrations.com. Um, email me, Donna at uniquevibrations.com. Very easy. Unique Vibrations is everywhere. This business was set up with an intention, the colors, the name, everything. Obviously, the spiritual side coming out there. Yeah. Yeah, or just Donna Ferguson on uh, social media as well. So if you want to find me there, um, message me if you want any help or support in any way. I'm happy to have a free 30-minute chat with you. Absolutely. I'll put all the links in the show notes and description. Otherwise, Donna, thanks a lot for coming on to Storytelling Secrets. My pleasure. I loved it. Thank you so much, Julian. No problem. Okay, so that's a wrap for the episode. If you want to get in touch with Donna, I'm going to leave her linked in there and you can also get in touch on her website. It is uniquevibrations.com and I believe she's also on YouTube instagram and as she's really active on facebook she said so I'll, I'll leave all those links there in the comments otherwise thank you for tuning in to storytelling secrets this was a story secret storytelling secrets framework episode and uh, i'll see you on monday for the next episode bye